Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the latest episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Oh, we'll start um, by taking a deep breath first and foremost. Um, but we would be incredibly remiss if we talked about anything before giving our best wishes, our prayers, our thoughts um, to the family of Christian Atsu, former Chelsea player, former Newcastle player. Um, you know, he was confirmed uh, dead after they found his body in the rubble after the Turkish earthquake. Um, so our thoughts definitely go out to him, all the victims actually who were involved in that in Turkey and Syria. Um, and as well as our thoughts with Dave, um, yeah. who was unfortunately knocked out cold this past weekend. Um, so I know he was speaking to his wife in the, in the hospital. Graham Potter uh, mentioned that in his post-match. Um, and he did post something encouraging on his social media. I was stating how he's, he's excited to get back. But we do expect him to be out for the foreseeable. The most important thing um last match wasn't necessarily the football it was dave's dave's health so we're glad that he's okay um and uh, we wish him a speedy recovery hope to see him back on the pitch soon um andy you're the only one joining me this week i know we don't have song um uh for this one how you doing man i almost feel like i shouldn't even ask that question because i feel like i I... (laughs) know you know honestly i'm to a point where it's like numb I'm not like sad. I'm not going to be crying. I'm not, I'm just numb. I have zero expectation the rest of this season. Um, yeah, I just, I'm going to continue being positive, but not positive about, you know, not looking for the silver lining. I've been doing that for too many months now and it's just, it's just tiring at this point. So if we win great, if we lose whatever, because we that's all we've been doing. Yeah. Um I'm in a weird spot because I was coaching during the match, so I watched it after the fact, but I truly believe had two things. Number one, if whoever is leaking lineup information hadn't leaked four players weren't going to be part of the eleven, uh, that's number one thing that would have pissed me off even more. And number mm-hmm. two, had I watched the match live because I went into it knowing we lost. So I think I was able to say like, oh, well, it wasn't as bad as I thought. But I think riding the emotional roller coaster of it all would have been far worse. Um, so, yeah, I'm just extremely disappointed, especially after what felt like one step in the right direction to build off of at Dortmund. And uh, yeah, man, it's one of those things where now it's just honestly, to be completely honest, I just can we get nine more points? That's all I'm looking for out of the rest of the season. Get me <laughs> nine more points. You think I'm uh, joking, but the math no, no, says I we know, need 40 I know. points. I'm laughing because I, I, I don't, it's, it's ridiculous I, because I, because I like two months we're ago, we're talking about, again. yeah, what you think we are? No, 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 no. I don't. I don't. Oh, oh, I, I don't. Okay. I don't see how things can get any worse it's one of those things where we we are at rock bottom for what chelsea football club is therefore i don't see it getting worse than this there's no way it can it's just one of those things like i can't be fully apathetic until the 40 points are on the board then i can really give two fucks and then the summer i can hit the reset button 
and go back to believing everything and anything. It's going to take a lot more than three points here and there for me to believe that we are being led by the right person and and the project is truly moving forward. Yeah, I'm with you. I I think we need to see a run of good form, meaning weeks, months. Months, um, a, a string of matches where we're talking five, six, seven on the spin, where we just absolutely obliterate people and have an identity and play fluid football and defend well, and have, you know just have that elite mentality. But I want to go back. I want to talk about the team leaks for a sec um, because that's one thing that definitely is Grand Potter's fault. Right? Uh, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, I mean, there, 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 there's. For those of you that don't know, um, there's a Manchester United fan account um, that has been receiving mm-hmm. team news uh, prior to the matches and tweeting about Chelsea. Specifically about Chelsea, yeah. And um, he's been right the last few times he's done it. And the real issue is for the these whole are, season. For the whole, the whole season. season, yeah. And and the real issue here is that he's not just leaking um, the team news a couple hours before the match. They're coming out 24 hours before kickoff which gives, as you can imagine, ample time for professional coaches, professional managers to organize their teams and game plan for us. Not saying that that's an excuse as to why we lost, because I think regardless of the fact that Southampton knew who was not going to be available for this game or who was not going to be selected, we still had more than enough talent to beat them. I'm not discounting that whatsoever, but there has to be some kind of inquest going on uh, within Cobham as to who the fuck is leaking this. And and, and it's, and it's not, I'm not even worried about the tactical side of it because the the stuff came out late Friday. So you're not implementing anything in the pitch come Saturday, midday Saturday. But what I do know is that we're in the era of social media and you best believe that these things get back to the players. So you're going to tell me that the Southampton players aren't going to find out that Chelsea's two best players and then two contributors are out of the match day squad. And that's not going to tell them like, wow, they really think they can fuck us up with their B team. Like that, that's just locker room billboard shit. Mm -hmm. Like it's just not okay. It it is not okay for us mm -hmm. to, to be willing, willy nilly passing this off and, it's just not helpful whatsoever. There is no positive of the leaks, period. Mm-hmm. It, it, number one, the other team gets billboard material. Number two, you're you're giving away information, period. Like that is trade secrets, whatever you want to call it. And number three, now your teammates and your staff, coaching staff, feel like they can't say a damn thing in the locker room where it's supposed to be a, a sanctum. It's supposed to be your space to air things out to make the tough calls to do things where we have no business being a part of it and that sort of closed environment that bubble is completely burst i i'm i hate these leaks at this point selfishly like sure i like finding out that chillwell is going to start ahead of dortmund two hours later later but 24 hours before hearing that tiago silva ziesh and, and reese james weren't playing I was completely deflated going into the announcement yeah. of the starting 11. So then my expectations go down. And when I see it, oh, yeah, this this can get the job done. But in reality, had I not seen that, it's why the fuck are we not putting out the exact same 11 going into Dortmund and building off of the great, the great moments of a 1-0 loss? 
So it's just, there is no positives to this. I hope Boliak, Bali, Potter, whoever's still freaking involved, finds out what is going on or starts putting out fake information on purpose. Like, uh, Wayne Rooney's wife did to, to Jamie Vardy's wife or whatever that shit yeah. was, where you're just leaking bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then you'll be able to know, like in the room, there was these people. Yeah. Let's narrow it down from there. I think, um, I think they need to be found and dealt with and made an example out of, um, meaning they get sacked. I don't care if it's a player, a, a staff member, a chef, a fucking trainer. It doesn't matter. Um, that deserves a sack any day of the week, in my opinion. And um, it just kind of adds insult to injury. Like it's like kicking a man while he's already down, <laughs> which we are, yeah. um, you know, it's, it, it, it's enough that we can't win a fucking game to save our lives. It's enough that we don't have an identity. It's enough that we have injuries. It's enough. We have a new owner and new manager and all of this hoopla going around the club, but then just to add insult to it, there's these leaks now. And we've slowly turned into the laughing stock of the Premier League, to be honest. Um, a laughing stock that loses the 20th place Southampton. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, I'm, I'm with you there, though. For me, and I am saying this with respect to the Chelsea fans that, you know, were born and raised in London and have been supporting the club since before Roman even came in. I've only really been supporting the club since like 2004, 2005-ish when I was, when Chelsea finally came on TV here in the States. Um, so I wasn't really around when the club weren't fighting for trophies and fighting for titles and X and Y and Z. And granted, I am a spoiled fan. I'll hold my hand up and say that right off the bat. I mean, I, I jumped on supporting a team that, became perennial winners, you know, a couple years prior. Um, but this is the lowest I felt as a Chelsea fan, I think. And, and it's a little worse for me than the 15-16 season because in the 15-16 season, it was just a matter of getting through that period and moving on to the next season. And in a way, there wasn't this overwhelming theme of not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And here, I, I, I just don't, I don't see anything. I really don't. Um, I look at teams like Manchester United. I look at teams like Arsenal, Liverpool, teams that have fallen out of the big six, quote unquote, or out of the Champions League spots in recent memory. Just look how long it took for them to kind of get back up on their feet and sort of regain their respect around the league, if you will. Um, it took years. Man United, damn near 10 seasons. So I think there's a wrong lo- long road ahead. That goes without saying. Um, and yeah, I don't know. That's just kind of where I'm at. I'm with you, though. I, I, I'm numb to this, definitely. And I'm also numb to Graham Potter, if I'm going to be completely honest. I think the last week or the last match was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. And I think this is the first time in his tenure where it's an overwhelming majority of Chelsea fans now that have just completely lost any faith that they had in him or whatever faith was left that they had in him, including us um, who have been giving him the benefit of the doubt time and time again um, throughout the last couple months. Andres, do you feel the same sentiment? I mean, I've been sort of hinting at this for a few podcasts now where I kept saying that you can 
buy into the methods and practice and think, okay, yeah, what he's saying makes sense tactically and, and, and this can get us somewhere. But then you need to see the fruit of your labor. And after 15 matches, there isn't any. Yeah. There's been two wins and they were fucking sweaty one goal victories, you know? Um, so we have a bunch of young players, bar Tiago Silva, who is, it's a godsend that he's even here for another year, that they have not yet experienced coming back or we got through the rough patch and now we're better off. They are just young guys who have been told their whole lives, you're going to be great someday. And right now, they lack the self-belief. They lack the, the leader who is, is going guide, to guide them at this point because I, I agree with you. I don't think they currently believe in Potter because we're not winning. It can sound yeah. pretty. The training can look good. And I'm doing what coach is saying, and we're still losing. And on top of all that, even if you are still losing, you need to be led by someone to, to make you think it's going to come today. It's going to come tomorrow when we play against Southampton. It's going to come in three days' time, boys. I know it is. And in, the, in moments before the game, it should be a key conversation. We, I don't know if, if people listening saw the video of what the tunnel looked like pre-match. It's making its rounds so far, especially after that performance. And it looks deflated, unorganized, unfocused. Yeah, I think somebody was quoting saying a player was saying something like, love's not fair. Like, why is that a conversation going into a match when you haven't won? You haven't scored a goal in who knows how long in the Premier League. Uh, it... it you know, and then of course it's it sucks because then you see what the team believed and looked like going into the Champions League final against City, which much like our 2012 Champions League final, we were the complete underdog and they looked mm -hmm. like absolute soldiers going into the freaking front lines of war. Yeah, stone cold killer faces, focus, and it's day and night, man. Again. Different teams. You had Rudiger, Edu Mendy at the top of his game. Aspie was much fresher and was able to contribute on the pitch. Thiago Silva was in that group. A healthy Reese James was still part of that group. An informed Mason Mount was part of that group. An informed Ben Chilwell was part of that group. These are guys that at that point were fully in. They believed because what they were doing was getting them the three points and got them to a final. We can't even get three points against the worst team in the league. Mm -hmm. And going into that match, those players weren't even like, you know, it's a home field match. You would think that the manager would tell them, hey, this is your chance to prove that you are Chelsea level in front of your own fans. Mm -hmm. it's, and even before the whistle, it was garbage. Yeah. Even before they even stepped foot on on the pitch at Sanford Bridge. Garbage. It's uh it's uninspiring. And 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 for me, there's two problems. And I do think the players are checked out mentally. Um, I don't think there's any faith in Potter whatsoever. And to your point. You're 100% right. If I'm a player in that dressing room and Graham Potter's trying to preach some, you know, positivity about, you know, keeping your head up and the results will come and X and Y and Z, well, what evidence do we have that it's going to turn around? You know, it's not like it's not like we can wipe the floor with a team, beat them 4 or 5 nil, 
we have a identity, a style of play, um, you know, ruthlessness about our play. And then we turn up the next day and it's just a matter of not putting in the, the, the right amount of effort. To me, what it looks like is the players have no fucking idea what they're doing. And it, it seems like it's a bunch of individual performances as opposed to a sum of the parts, a team effort. Um, my worry in all of this is how it's going to affect all these young players in the long term. I mean, you look at guys like Mason Mount, who, who hasn't been in a, in a good run of form by any stretch of the imagination for some time now, but the continuous n- reluctance to not sit him and to keep playing him and playing him into worse and worse and worse form to the point where the guy's damn near broken at this point. And we're going to get to his contract situation a little later, but a guy like Mason Mount, who's damn near broken, a guy like Kai Havertz, who's damn near broken, a guy like Kukurea, who he did break. I mean, he cracked the code to Kukurea at Brighton, made him player of the year, and then broke him at Chelsea. Um, and, And I'm worried that it's going to start happening with guys like Joao Felix and guys like Enzo and guys like Mudrik and guys like Madueke, all these new young players, and Badia Shiel even looked awful this weekend in the first half, especially next to Koulibaly. I'm worried that these guys are going to break if this thing persists. Now, you look at elite managers around Europe. When they come into a side, especially if it's midseason, what's the first thing they're doing? They're instituting their style of play, and they're axing three or four players right off the bat. You don't fit my system. You don't fit my system. You don't fit my system. I'm going to play these 11 guys. They're going to start the next three or four matches on the spin, and I'm going to chop and change one or two players as I see fit until we find the winning formula. I was reading something today that, and I I don't have the stat in front of me or the number in front of me, but we changed our starting 11. We made over 60 changes to our starting 11 since Potter came in, which is nuts. But but again, a lot of that has been a very bad hand being dealt. Like, I get that part, like the, the all the mixing and matching. But we literally had no players to even field an eleven. At well, times. well, I, I'll play devil's advocate here. What happened to Lewis Hall? He never got injured. If Kukurea is not in form and Chilwell's not fit to play a full ninety, but he's only he's, he's only been out of the lineup with Chilwell being back though. Like he was oh, well, on the bench and all that with until Chilwell returned. I mean, I got I got more examples for you. What okay. about Trevor Chalaba at right back? That okay, experiment that unforgivable. That one that experiment worked. It pre- we found a way to make that situation work with Trevor Chalaba at right back to where he's not a liability, where he can kind yeah, of fill one, in a gap. And we're that one I get, but but the thing that I don't like the thing that people are trying to point out. Are, is usually like what I keep seeing online is on the opposite end of the pitch, midfield moving forward. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, a lot of the players, number one, there's a lot of injuries. Number two, he had to play players when there was no no one else. And then now that he has players, the new players, he can play them instead of those other people. So like, oh, Carney Chukomeka is not playing. It's like, well, dude, unfortunately for Carney, is Joao Felix came in, is balling out. Unfortunately for Carney, who had played on the left side, we paid $70 million for Mudrik. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for Carney, on the right side, Madueke came in and Ziyech picked up form. And on top of all that, right when you think maybe Carney gets a couple of minutes here in this one, Sterling came back. So that one, sorry, man, that one's tough. You got same thing for Gallagher. 
sorry, man, you you got plenty of chances. You didn't do enough. Now, Obama Yang is the odd one out. I don't know why he hasn't gotten as many looks, even though getting removed from the Champions League team, you would think if you're not going to play Havertz, you can at least have Obama Yang on the bench. That one, who knows? Maybe. He's the best natural finisher on the squad, and our main problem is fucking goal scoring. Okay, but at the end of the day, going into this Saturday, we were all dying for Fafana. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. All of 100%. us were happy to see that. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to say is when you when he was making those choices to like slowly weed out players that weren't going to be part of his team, what did we do? We dumped six more players into the mix. And now, oh, magically, after these six players came in, everyone's getting healthy. The injury bug is disappearing from this club. And now you have a first team of 33 first team players. That is obscene. Yeah, You want to talk about like what elite managers deal with? Conte played with 16 players when he won the league. I mean, 30, 33 is a lot even for an elite manager, let alone a manager like yeah. Potter who's mid-table. Pep, Pep wanted 25 guys tops. Klopp yeah. has also been known for wanting twenty anywhere between 23 and mm-hmm. 25. And then there's no preseason to, to do all this. So he's doing this on the fly with games, which at one point was twice a week. So like... The, the part about like the squad itself and managing it and training, how can you even you, – you can't even teach tactics when you have people sitting. You can't even do a full 11 on 11 with all your players. You are sitting almost half an 11. So when then you get hit with the injury bug and those options aren't there, half of your players aren't probably even training against first-team-level first level players. It's just a mess. This, this is a complete mess, and this is where like I feel bad for Potter because I know we're going to talk about – like. What's supposed to happen now? Like, well, what, what's the next move? And it's like, well, shit, I, I don't know. I think that the owners took a huge gamble, 100%. But I don't think managers come in midway through the season and think they're going to be instant successes. And then right when they may be trying to get something going, you change up all the pieces again. Or, or not change them, add new pieces and are told to use the new pieces. And it's it's just, I don't think... It's 100% fair, but I also don't think he's done enough to be, like, void of criticism. He had an interesting uh, press conference uh, after the Southampton match, and I, for one, was, was livid. Um, I, don't like, I don't like his tone in press conferences. I'm sorry. I mean, maybe I'm a little old school, or maybe I'm just flat-out spoiled with, you know, because we had the likes of Mourinho and fucking Conte and, and, and even Frank Lampard towards the end, even Tommy Tuchel, where they would go into the press conferences and if they needed to be angry, they were showing it. Um, and, and this was another situation where I think it shows a lack of know-how in terms of how to protect your players. Um, he should have accepted full responsibility for the defeat after, and instead he said, quote, after a 1-0 defeat at home, any criticism you get is understandable. I think we had a tough period, and I think we've had lots of challenges in terms of integrating young players into the Premier League. While results don't go your way, it can be tough. That's how it is. I'm sure there will be people out there that think I'm the problem, absolutely. I don't think, th- I don't think they're right, but I'm not arrogant enough to say their opinion isn't worth articulating. Now, listen... This is the perfect, and after the match, I was thinking this to myself. This is the perfect opportunity to go in and deflect. You accept the blame. If there is really no pressure on you to pull out these results, 
And if there really is this symbiotic relationship with ownership and this understanding that regardless of the results, you're still going to remain at your post, no matter what, there is nothing but... Sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting angry. I'm just trying to find the right words. There's, there's, there's nothing negative about him going in and doing that that can make his reputation or make himself look worse in ownership size. Do you get what I'm saying? Because he's been given the quote-unquote time and because he's been given the quote-unquote trust that this is their guy, regardless of our league position, go in and accept the blame. Say, you know what? Our game plan wasn't good enough. We didn't play well enough in the first half. We didn't possess the ball enough. We didn't create enough chances. It was too little too late in the second half. Of course, I was wrong with our starting 11. I had to make two substitutions at halftime. Hold your hand up and say that. You can go into the dressing room after that and look all the players in the eyes and, and, and tell them the exact same thing. And they'll have a little bit of respect for you for at least doing that. You can be like, you know what, guys? This one was on me. I got this one wrong. Whether it was the team selection, the tactics, whatever his opinion was on what got it wrong. Because this press conference, he's lying through his fucking teeth. I really don't think he genuinely feels like he is the right man for the job at this point. He looks like a dead man walking, sitting on the bench. He looks completely devoid of any confidence. He doesn't make any directions towards the player whatsoever. I get he's not going to be jumping up and down and doing jumping jacks on the sideline trying to get somebody's attention. But he's not making any adjustments. I mean, every time the camera pans to him, he's sitting down with his head in the sand. Every single time. And the same thing goes with all, the, all of these fucking press conferences, all these little snippets that are coming out. Now it's gotten to the point where he's not being honest anymore. And it's just, now we're starting to hear some bullshit. And you're not fooling anybody. <sighs> Am I wrong in, 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 in thinking that? I, I, I think mean, the contrary. I think... He is being honest because he has zero fear to lose the job. I think that the owners have unfortunately, uh, what's that called? Where you like inadvertently train someone to feel zero pressure. And this is a man with zero pressure. No, I don't think I'm the problem. And he, he can point fingers at anybody else because he's going to keep his job. And, and this one, I, I put more on the owners because if he felt a little bit of pressure, then he would wouldn't say like oh you know we're we're doing the right things we're gonna try again he would say something along the lines like oh i get it i get why the fans are pissed and i need to get a result next week he would say that if he feared his job so yeah. i don't yeah, i don't would. think he's lying i i just think he's like well you know like one thing that we've heard this whole time is that from top to bottom now because the structure of our club has changed is they're all numbers guys mm-hmm. they all love to see the numbers and unfortunately for us, outside of the win-loss column and more recently, the score, the numbers look good. So to him, being a little numbers guy and no fear of his job, and he was hired for five years, five years, longest Chelsea contract ever given in recent history or ever. He's like, these are, the, these are building blocks. I'm not con- I have the second third best second best defense in the Premier League. I had a run of clean sheets. My XG is outperforming everyone. So obviously what we're doing is working and it's just not going in for us. Bad luck. But if you see everything the pers- possession is high, shots taken is high, XG is high, clean sheets and goals conceded is positive. So obviously it's going to click someday. 
And that's very impersonal approach. And then you see it as a very impersonable answer in the press conference. The guy, I'm not asking him to be Mourinho and, and point the finger at the refs and say there's I'm a not, campaign. I'm not either. And, and, and to a point, it's almost like a complete foil of Tuchel because Tuchel was doing this thing where it's like, oh, my tactics worked before, so my players are shit. And then the players lose trust in themselves, and that's what we saw at the end of his reign. But now, under under Potter, he's been going like, you know, you know we're going to keep trying. We're going to keep trying. You guys are going to get it next week. We're seeing improvements. And when the improvements don't come, then the players are still going to think we're shit because the numbers say we should be doing better, and we're not. So now you had the too mean approach, which made the toxic locker room. And now you have the too nice approach, which, again, I don't think is dishonest. I think that's what, how he believes. And the zero accountability of the win-losses is now making the players doubt everything they do. Today, Felix looked complete lost, completely yeah. lost. And that was after monumental performances. Argue who was around him, blah, 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 whatever. But if players regress over and over again, it's because the message is, is very passive at this point. Yeah. I mean, just, and- just, look, at, just look at Mudrik. Mudrik got coached for half a day by Potter, had his debut against Liverpool, looked amazing. He's been coached by for, by Potter now for, what, three or four weeks now? And he looks half the player he did against Liverpool. Yeah. And, and just to kind of play devil's advocate here, Andres, I mean, like, I, 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 know, I know it's a statistical approach that we're taking, but if we're really looking at the numbers here, I have some t- statistics from planetfootball.com. Um, these, are pretty, these are pretty damning. Chelsea have failed to score in five of their last 10 matches. During that time, only five goals scored. In the Premier League, Chelsea have lost seven of their last nine matches where they've fallen behind. So there's no know-how or problem-solving being done when shit hits the fan mid-match. Graham Potter's win percentage as Chelsea manager, which is 36%, is the lowest of any Chelsea manager since Glenn Hoddle. Um, and Chelsea have only created 34 big chances this season, which is fewer than any other club in the top half. Just to give a, just to give you some context, Kevin De Bruyne created 24 alone for Manchester. Yeah, City. And, just 10 and less Rashford than Chelsea has scored, as a team. And Rashford has now joined the Holland Club and has scored more goals than us. I know mm-hmm. I, it's awful, but again, if if he cared, if he had a fear that he would lose his job, this wouldn't have happened. And I think this goes way back because I think the timing of it all is honestly the the worst part because mm-hmm. the owners could have just put in instead of bringing in the project manager and putting him in a shit situation they should have gotten an interim manager and just grabbed potter giving him a full preseason and let gus hitting come here and just be the punching bag while the new guys get to be here and, and mesh you know your body is shield your mudrick you know put it in a different way because eric ten hog had a preseason he got rid of the virus and everything clicked. Now he had three months to build the trust with the full locker room. He was there to prove that these are my signings and all that. He got to do all that. We don't get that luxury. You tell me Graham Potter comes in in the summer. There's no eeriness around the club. It's a hard reset. It could be a different story. I, I, so I don't know. I, I don't know about that one. How come Sean Dyche I mean, could come into Everton and have them turn out bro, a performance? I, granted, 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 it's a different sense. style of play and whatnot. The guy's working with fucking fifteen percent of the talent that we have on our team. Like different, different situations. Nobody plays a low block of 
5-4-1 against Everton. So they literally need one fast guy and three chances for the fast guy to get in behind. We have like six fast guys. Six fast guys that have two inches to run before they hit two walls of four. It's different. It's different. Like Sean Dyche, those arguments for like the relegation managers is bullshit. Like no top club brings in their guy three months into the season. And then three months later says, here's the new guys you need to use. And there's no gap in between. That's unheard of. That's unheard of. There is no comparison to to what Potter's had to do. And and again, I hate to be defending the guy because I still think he's underperforming, but like, I think the biggest disservice that Bully and Igbali did was bring him in midseason. Let him finish at fucking Brighton if he's your guy and then poach him later. Because then here's the other side of things. We mm -hmm. got fucked financially because you told Potter you're going to be my guy and and they believed in you. But at the same time, Potter's taking a risk. So Mm -hmm. Potter's like, all right, pay me the big bucks because you're asking me to do something insane. And now we're paying Potter 12 mil a year. I'm hoping... The owners are smart enough to maybe have like a like a clause in there or whatever, but like we committed a grand total of eighty million plus, and we dug this guy a giant hole and told him, "All right, man, build something." So like, it, it the blame is not all on Potter. I think Potter no, has not done enough. Not. I on think the players that, like yeah. the players have been shit. On top of, of that, the ownership had to do everything year one. And, and and things got worse. Like firing Tuchel, whatever. That was like a like a like a vision thing. It had to happen. But but doing that and then saying, hey, you're our guy for the the whole project, and I'm gonna shackle your ass with an injury t- full team, uh players who don't want to be here and are playing like shit, a guy that came just for the old manager. Oh, and by the way, you don't get the three months of just you and the team getting to know each other. Good My- luck, buddy. My thing is, if 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 ownership took, um, I don't know what the right word for it, maybe reasonable approach about this, a more measured approach. All indications were when they were coming into their roles, Boli and Igbali, is that they weren't necessarily football people, and that they were going to put football people around them, so they can right. understand the Premier League, understand the game, and 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 get guidance and, and and clarity from guys like that. Those would be the guys that they lean on for just general information and and, and running of the club day-to-day long-term, right? Okay. Why are we appointing a manager before we appoint a board? Right, right. And and that's I think that's where the real issue comes. If you want to criticize Bowley, don't go criticize the signings and the fact that he went out and spent a lot of money. He did what needed to be done in that respect. But you can definitely... the The players are fine. Like, see window one versus window two? Yeah, night and day exactly but but what you can reasonably and and logically blame him for or criticize him for rather is making the most important decision as the new owner of the football club which is bringing in the right manager to kind of usher you into the new era without Mm -hmm. having genuine footballing knowledge yourself Without relying on guys like our board, Stanley and Vivelle, <laughs> when Stanley and Vivelle and all those guys, yeah. yeah, you bring those guys in. So when you do come to the situation where you have to hire or fire a manager, you ask them, "Hey, what do you think? The group of players we have, the environment we have, the personalities we have, who would be the best fit?" 
Who would be the cheapest fit? Who would be the person where you could get the most bang for our buck? Who would bring in the best team? Who's been there before? Those are the questions that they're going to ask. And, and that's my, th that was one of my issues. The other issue um, that I have is we're, we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. If you sack Potter, which they're not going to, but if you sack Potter, who do you hire? No, you you preached that you were changing the the Roman Abramovich style of things, and then you yeah. would come in year one and sack two managers in one season, which was never done under Roman. But but but, so like, but good management, good management in, in in any realm of business, even if you interview and hire somebody and their resume looks great and they tick all the boxes in the interview, you give them the job, and then five or six months into the job. They start to fucking suck. They start to underperform. The, the results aren't there. There's just chaos. What a good manager or a good owner of a business would do is hold their hand up, say, hey, I made a mistake. We're going to make a change. And now we're going to bring in the right guy. And we're just going to yeah. pick up where we left off. So the fact that that conversation is, doesn't even seem to be had, all indications are pointing that it's not even on the table. Is, is sort of baffling to me. And I think that's where the that's, ego argument comes in. I Well, but that's what I'm trying to explain is because I think, yes, it was done out of order, but you build this this board, right, with Stanley, Vivelle, Lawrence, and now you have your guys, right? Mm -hmm. I think those guys would have picked Potter if they came first, but the issue is you still brought Potter without the, the foundation to be here. You brought him in before the players got here, before the, the guys that were going to actually build this project got here because the owners are just the, 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 the idea people. They're the top. Yeah. And then the, the construction workers per se, the actual board arrived after the hotel manager to put it that way. You're going to build mm -hmm. this giant Marriott, but you first were like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to put in, I'm, I hired a manager and employees and then they have to, to have a hotel that doesn't even have a roof. So it's like, I think unfortunately, like, Sadly, like again, Potter did shit. It's un I think timing is the the biggest issue here. But I think that board isn't firing Potter because they truly think this is who we would have recommended anyway. I don't. And I don't think. I don't think that's what they're doing. Personally, I just don't think. I just don't think there 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 are actual project managers out there. I don't think there's actually managers that are regarded as like good managers that can evolve into elite managers that take what Chelsea was doing when Potter did and run with it. I don't think those exist. Those are a pick. You have to like find them like a four leaf clover kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I, man, the, the longevity of football does not exist anymore. And that's why like having these owners in this pitch was, was so different. And so like welcoming, it's like, Oh, we're going to be good for a while. We want to build something that lasts. And managers don't do that sort of thing anymore. I mean, I, Ancelotti I went to Everton is back in Madrid. Zidane left, came back to Madrid. Like, was it David Moyes left West Ham is back at West Ham like Mourinho's jumped around and now he's finally at at Roma and even now we're trying to get him out of Roma and he would actually consider that like there is no loyalty in football mm -hmm. in in that sense nobody's is here for the long run they're here for a good time not a long time to quote fucking Drake or whoever the fuck says yeah. that like that is football today unfortunately so like if it wasn't Potter give me a name because that's what everyone wants to do. 
of a guy that's actually going to stick for a project. Well, I don't think that name's out there right now, personally. I mean, I know names have been thrown out like Frank Lampard, Hansi Flick, Pochettino. Zidane. Zidane. I mean, they're, the, the list kind of goes on and on. It's basically Marino anybody 3.0. that anybody that doesn't have a job or is looking for a job has been mentioned um, to just kind of sum it up. I don't think any of those names are necessarily a, a perfect fit. I think, if anything, if I'm ownership and I'm looking at this situation, I'm looking at the Dortmund match, I'm looking at the Spurs match coming up. Well, actually, I'm looking at the Spurs match, seeing how that result goes, and also looking at the Leeds match after that. Just imagine a world where Chelsea Football Club loses to two of their bitterest rivals back-to-back on the heels of a defeat to Southampton, and we get bumped out of the Champions League. You thought the atmosphere last weekend was toxic? Just wait. Um, if, if I'm the board, let's say we lose against Spurs and we lose against Leeds. I'm sacking Potter. I'm putting an interim until the end of the year. And then I'm putting the plans in place now and building profiles now on new potential managers for the summer. Because the summertime is where you really have the chance to kind of buy somebody out of their current contract if they're already at a club or with a national setup. Yeah. And the market will obviously be bigger. I mean, that goes for players and managers. That's the logical thing to do. What I don't think the right thing to do is, is keep Potter here till the end of the year, continue letting things get sour. And again, I'm going to keep bringing this up until hopefully I don't get proven right on this because hopefully it doesn't happen. But I do think these guys are going to get burned out. I don't care if they're young or not. You can ruin a player by having a season like this if you're 20, 21, and you're struggling. It can be catastrophic for your career. And that's my real concern here. It's not necessarily a question of is Potter the guy or not anymore. I know deep down he's not. That's my personal opinion. I don't think it's going to change. Right? Barring something absolutely miraculous, meaning we win the next 10 on the spin convincingly and keep six or seven clean sheets along the way. That's the only way my mind will change. Yeah, but I agree with that. I agree with that because, like you said, it's not just – We've, we, you and I have been the biggest like apologists here, and like mm-hmm. you have to look at the macroscopic of it. Two wins in 15, and if there is being this like vision of what the football looks like, sure, you take out Kai Havertz and you put in Fofana, but, and, and you don't expect Fofana to give you a 10 out of 10, but you expect him to be doing the things that your team's nine is supposed to do. Yeah. And, and that's where it's sort of like, well, shit, enough times you're going to fool me once, fool me twice, whatever. Now I see, like you said, it's not been a tactical thing, but individual performances because you take out Kai, you put in Fofana, and Fofana, all he was doing was looking for the highlight play. I didn't see, okay, you do this, I do this, like you do this versus I do that. Madueke, great match for him. When he was taken off, Sterling was doing something completely different when he was on the right side. Mm-hmm. When you see it in other matches, what Lewis Hall does on the pitch versus what Kukurea does on the pitch, both playing at left back. Like yeah. you had a you had a the double pivot of Kovacic and Enzo, which all of us were like clamoring for. And there was no defined role and it was a mess. Both mm-hmm. players were doing what their soul tells them to do. So 
but but those are it, all just a further examples of why I that's don't what think I'm saying. That's men, what I'm yeah. saying. So at this point, what I'm saying is like we've been looking at like I mentioned because if you dig, sure, the clean sheets, the xG, blah 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 blah. But is that just down to the fact that the players that are being chosen are just the ones that are a little bit more in form, or that they're being guided by a true leader on the pitch in Thiago Silva? Because who was missing this weekend and it went to shit? Tiago Silva and Reese James. You're two yeah. true natural leaders. And and that's where I'm at right now. It's going to take a monumental change of form and, and, and staying there for me not to sack Potter right now in, yeah. in the end of the year. Because again, financially, we've invested $80 million on him. So he has to, we have to somehow suck it up unless it gets extremely dire. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it does, I, I think a caretaker is is more than appropriate. I mean, we're fucking tenth in the table. We're not. We're, we're not. Listen, we're not pushing for a Champions League spot. We're yeah. bounced out of the FA Cup and the League Cup. Yep. We're we're one nil down in in the Champions League heading into the return leg. I I think that's the only trophy that's still available for us. It is. And to be completely honest, we're not winning it. So. At this point, if the results continue the way they are, assuming we lose back-to-back league matches against two of our rivals in Spurs and Leeds, he has to be gone. Has to. I mean, yeah. I, at that point, it's it's not enough. Like you, we need to see results now, and we need well, to see the player. First off, we need to see the players mm-hmm. respond to what happened this weekend, whether it's because of Potter or because of the fact that the fans booed them off. We had fans leave early. And fans booed them off. And I swear, and this isn't me trying to downplay what happened to Aspie, but if Aspie doesn't get completely clobbered and, and have a scary moment, it would have been far worse. That's a good idea. point. That's a very good point. It would have been point. far worse because we spent 12 minutes on the edge of, of our seats at home. And I can't even Not imagine even thinking what the people about the in football. the stadium. Exactly. Yeah. The people at the stadium are thinking we're, we're, a Chelsea legend is down and we don't know what's going on. So if that event doesn't happen, you best believe that stadium catches fire. Yeah. And so now we have a derby against a hated rival coming up. We need some sort of response. And 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 a response is not enough to keep Potter alive, but it at least shows me that the players care. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the first thing I want to look at. But back to, to what you're saying is, okay, let's say things go hit shit gets even worse. Where do we go from there? Like what are your what are the names that you're thinking are semi-realistic? Assuming we sack him this season? Assuming we have to, yeah. Let's say we can't win against Spurs, we get embarrassed by Leeds, and the board is going to have to just pull the trigger before the fans completely riot and don't even let matches happen. Caretaker. I think you bring a caretaker Who? in. I think, Who? I think I, I, names. Frank Lampard. It's not, it's, not, it's not a nice... It's not a... Listen, I want to caveat that with this isn't a long-term vision kind of thing. This is a mutual understanding. Frank, the club loves you. The players respect you. You already have familiarity with most of this dressing room. Do they? Get us through the rest of the season. Do they? Do they? Because you have 30 players here, and a lot of them gave up on Frank. Granted, yeah, a lot of them did give up on Frank, but a lot of the players that gave up on Frank also gave up on the club and have one foot out the door. I mean, you're looking at guys like Hakeem Ziyech, um, uh, even Kai Havertz, who's rumored to be on the market this summer. Christian Pulisic is rumored to be on the market this summer. Mason Mount is rumored to be on the market this summer. I mean, there's tons of guys that are there that clearly 
are either not part of the long-term vision or teetering on the border of, you know, staying you or going. In and Mount's going to play bring, himself into even deeper shit. If anybody can turn Mount's four around, it would, I, I would argue it could be Frank, but none of the other names. And here's the reason why I'm advocate. We're not advocating, but here's the reason why I would prefer a caretaker as opposed to a full-time manager. Yeah. None of the other full-time manager names that I see are intriguing to me. I don't want to hear any talk about Tommy Tuchel coming back. It's not happening. Yeah, not he's gonna not going to go back thought. to the, the guys that fired him. Like, that's never Exactly. Happened. Exactly. Where everybody seems to forget. It's such short memories. It was only six months ago. I mean, Tuchel it was also f- lost to Southampton, oh. just FYI. Yeah. And, 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 and we got completely outplayed in that match. Like, that yeah. was like, we didn't get Tuchel, a goal line clearance against us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's not happening. I don't think Jose Mourinho is happening. And also not midway through a season, especially no, not midway no through way. a season. No, He's, no, no way in hell. No and, and way. Talk about hell. a guy. Talk about a guy, how managing works. He doesn't have Tammy. He doesn't have Pellegrini and he doesn't have another key starter. And Roma has clinched now four clean sheets in a row and they're third in Serie A. Yeah, when yeah, missing those form. players, they should probably drop out of the top four, but just, <laughs> but, okay. But you also want to mention a guy who, who has a, a shitty track record with young players, and our whole right. fucking team is young. So that, that one doesn't work for me. I love Jose, always will, but not the right time. Hansi Flick is a joke. His World Cup performance was a joke. He yeah. basically crashed and burned at Bayern. So that's uh, not happening He, he burned out. I, I don't know if it crashed and burned. He walked away. Like... Was the job too big for him? I, I don't know if it was too big. It was one of those things where, like, it was just he came in during COVID and then he won everything. So I think it was like, I literally just won seven trophies in one year. I don't know if I can keep Can't talk that. It. Right. So I yeah. think he walked away because things were just, you know, the he was already telling them, Locked like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do this full time. And and they were always thinking Nagelsmann, right? Like that one was a little different. The, the well, only even way a job that... Flick works, like I, I don't know how this legally works in football. Uh-huh. The only way this works is we just came off the World Cup. I don't know if he can take a part-time job. Like I don't know how that works. I I'm, I might be talking completely out of my ass. If I'm we're not talking interested. Caretaker. I wouldn't like, even no, be no, interested. Care, in caretaker. That. Like if, if he, I mean, the dude lives and dies by the four-two-three-one. And that Bayern team he built was fucking insane. So, like, if he's coming in and, and the players can think, even Kai Havertz plays slightly better for Germany. If he comes in and, and slams the 4 2 3 1 and he's just like, I'm here to win, I'm going to play the, the 11 unless somebody gets hurt. It's going to be the same 11 until the end of the year. We get the results and I'm out of here. Consultant. Perfect, perfect scenario that 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 happens but, with a character. But again, there's it's weird that he's been at two of our matches when we only have one German player. Like that to me is fishy in itself. Mm. So like, I don't know. I don't think he's the long term solution. And again, I don't know how it could work in a in a blah, sort of short term role. But like outside of them two, Steve Holland. Like, who do you get to come as a caretaker? 
Like, I, th- I, I think Steve Holland's enjoying himself with England. I mean, he's made but, a cup But he's final an assistant and, manager. He's yeah. an assistant manager. And, yeah, but, and you're asking him to come in as caretaker. Again, we're true. not looking for the, the project here. It's Steve like, Holland, I, I wouldn't be opposed. And and, and the main reason why I wouldn't Chelsea. be opposed to him. Exactly. And, and this, is, this, is, this is something I was going to mention about my worry with going into the Spurs match and going into the, the Leeds match. Is you want to talk about leaders? I, I don't think Grand Potter is a good leader or a great leader. I think he's a good leader. You have to be to coach at this level. Let's not kid ourselves. But in terms of greatness and being a great leader, I don't think he will be able to look the players in the eyes and 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 get and, and I'm not talking about the Chelsea boys, the Cobham boys. I'm talking about the Mudricks. I'm talking about the all the foreign players, all the new guys that we just bought. Is he going to be able to look all of them in the eyes and explain to them that at Chelsea, you simply don't lose to Spurs? You don't. It doesn't matter what season it is. It doesn't matter if it's a rebuild. It doesn't matter who's on the pitch. You do not lose to Spurs. Yeah. So or Leeds, bringing, which is even bring, more his Or Leeds, exactly. So bringing in any manager, like a Frank, like a Steve Holland, somebody that has maybe even a background in Chelsea, but just understands the the importance and 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 the the severity of the match, not just to the players in the club, but to the fans, which I think should be first and foremost the most important thing that a manager needs to explain when they talk about matches like this. That would be the most important thing for me if I'm the board. I'm looking at all the temper. I'm looking at all the potential managerial candidates and goes, okay, who gets it? Process of elimination. Yep. Um, that's it. He doesn't. He gets it. He doesn't. Boom. People are out. The people that do are in. Now we're down to our final list. We have three or four guys that get it. Let's see who's willing to take the interim role heading into the summer. And who knows? Maybe Steve Holland or whoever gets the interim role and we hit a run of form. Maybe we win five or six uh, on the spin. Maybe we start playing a little bit better. Maybe we start to see partnerships form between players and chemistry form between players and things that we can look at it in the summer and go, okay, Joao Felix and Mudrik have a really good connection. Okay, this manager has a great track record with, with out-and-out tens and pacey wingers, or this manager has a great connection with, 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 with overlapping fullbacks and so, and so on and so forth. Maybe you find combinations between now and the end of the season where you can organize your managerial search around to kind of fit the mold of, whatever combinations we found but under potter what i'm seeing now is no combinations whatsoever i mean i'm seeing one match where it looks like mudrick or where it looks like chillwell's combining well with mudrick and then the next match it's completely non-existent or somebody else is starting in front of chillwell or i see a match where reese james is starting behind madweke and they look like they're having a good a a, a good symbiotic relationship and then reese james goes down with an injury and and we don't see that partnership for a little while and speaking on injury like again i hate the leaks because without the leaks, maybe Potter can explain in the press conference that the team doctors told him to bench those guys. Yeah. But then the leaks kind of fucked that up. Because mm-hmm. you're talking about like not being able to see Mudrick and Chilwell again. Those things kind of develop. The, mm-hmm. the, one, the one thing we haven't discussed, and, and apologies to all our listeners that sent questions because we're getting heated and we're kind of just going through all of them. <laughs> yeah. um, you guys know who you are. Your questions, I'm sure, have been addressed. But when we signed Tuchel, you were very much against bringing Tuchel in initially because you thought he would never take a job halfway through a season. Yeah. Your words. Top managers generally manager, don't. Yeah. They don't. Well, I again, I don't... I, I might be a little like... 
what's a word here I'm looking for? Just ignorant as to why the hate is there. But Bajatino is still jobless. He's chilling. He's looking for a good job. He bounced out of PSG. It didn't work out at PSG. For some odd reason, a lot of people don't do well at PSG. So I'm not going to hold that against him. I don't think, I think the reason's obvious. I think there's too many personalities in that dressing room, but player power is, player power is way too strong at PSG. But Pochettino did something that could help this team. And it was that he went into Spurs from Southampton. So think about it. Similar jump right into Chelsea, Southampton to Spurs, whatever. Mm -hmm. The difference is he succeeded. And he was able to make that team click. And, and, you know, Harry Kane is now Harry Kane. Kyle Walker is now playing at Man City. Um, Tele Ali was really good. Uh, Hyungming Son came out of nowhere under him. Uh, Lucas two, Mora was one of the best center uh, backs that looked, were, that looked like they were regressing when he and, came in. Yep, yep. Yeah, and, and all this happened, and had it not been for the brilliance of Eden, brilliance of Eden Hazard, would have won Spurs a Premier League. Let's mm-hmm. call a spade a spade. That the Battle of the Bridge ruined their their Premier League campaign, and Leicester ended up being champions, and that was on the back of Diego Costa and Eden Hazard. He made it to the Champions League final, which, again, mad because that team was garbage. And, and they didn't get destroyed in the final, which is important. They like lost they, one they didn't nil play terribly. To, they lost one nil to Liverpool, mm-hmm. who had the far better team. And then from there, he was not backed yet again, and he was fed up, and he left. Now, much prettier scene here, even though it's chaos. Managers, the, the owners have shown they're going to put in money to get the players of the quality that this team deserves, even if the quality is something that they're grow into. He's good at nur- nourishing the young players. I believe it or not, like he's Argentinian. That immediately tells me he's got fucking fire and cojones to say whatever the fuck he oh, wants. And when it he helps wants a record transfer signing out sure, a little sure. bit right i mean there, there, there's he added speaks benefit Spanish, to that. he speaks english all that but at least again maybe it's because potter's doing so poorly that we're like so against this very calm approach but like no i i, I want the smoke pa- i want Pochettino a manager who will wants say the, the shit the shit he thinks and he'll yell and he'll scream and, and and we've seen it i mean people are like oh is this rafa this is just like rafa benitez no i don't think so i think he was representing Spurs, but he not once talked mad shit about Chelsea. He could have talked shit about Mourinho at the time and who was managing us and the players that were on the pitch, but he never yeah. talked shit about our club. Yep. It's different. And if anything, he wanted this job when Tuchel got it. And he wanted this there's, job after Tuchel got fired too. So I'm just saying like, if, yeah, if he's willing there, to no take loyalty. the caretaker, if he's willing to take the caretaker position, he's the only one that I would even consider extending post the caretaker position if the signs Agreed. are there. Agreed. Because I think he has done the whole project thing, except that his project ran out of money after like half a year and they never gave him the money that was promised. But at Southampton, all his players are getting poached. All his players are getting taken away. There was a period of time where Southampton, people forget, but Southampton was the Brighton, today's, the equivalent of today's Brighton. They would get a rising star, it would get taken away. They would get another mm-hmm. rising star, it would get taken away. Sadio Mane, Virgil van Dijk, Adam Lalana at one point was a rising star coming out of there. Like mm-hmm. the list goes on and on and on. And he was at the helm. So maybe I'm having like, what's that called? When you like look at the past and you're like dreaming Hindsight. about the past. 
not hindsight. It's like you you romanticize the past almost. I don't know what the word is. Pardon my ESL, but like <laughs> it's just like an option. I don't know. Yeah. At the end well, of the day, I at the end of the day, I think we're stuck. Mm-hmm. And and I will back the team, not the manager. Sorry, I will continue to talk shit if he keeps making dumb decisions. But the craziest part is, is like, it's not like that. You there's that famous video of the Arsenal fan who's like, if Harry Kane scores for England, I'm not celebrating. It's like, well, shit, that's not how it works. If Potter makes the right choice and Chelsea wins, I'm going to be happy because Chelsea wins. Yeah, of course. You know, so I'll, I'll be it the just fr- sucks. I, I mean, I've held my hand up plenty of times, and you have as well, where we've where we've said something one week and then have been proven wrong, and I'll happily yeah. admit it. I mean, who cares? I wanted Ziyech out of the club, but now he's arguably one of our most informed attackers. Shit happens. I, shit, I wanted Potter before Tuchel getting fired was a real thing. Yeah. I joked about it like two, three weeks before the announcement of Tuchel getting fired was. I was like... I really like that Potter guy. It's just not working. And and I put yeah. my hand up. And again, it's okay to be wrong. It doesn't have to be like, check your receipts, bitch. Like, no, I know I'm wrong. It's not working. We're not winning. I can well, believe just, he's a good coach and also believe he's not a good coach for Chelsea, period. Yeah, and, and that's exactly where I am. I think he's a good manager. I don't think he's a top-level manager. I don't think he has the right personality to manage top-level personalities. I don't think he has the know-how to manage a big squad, which... I mean, the list, the list goes on and on, and, and we're going to yeah. keep beating it to death. Um, but for those of you that don't know, I mean, Matt Law tweeted yesterday that uh, Chelsea have no intention of sacking Potter despite the recent results. Just like we said earlier, it's not our opinion. This is Matt Law is usually right about these things when it comes to um, you know how the board is, is viewing uh, a manager's post at a certain time. So you can pretty much nail that one on the wall that he's correct on that. Um, we did have a couple of tweets come in um, at John Anomics too. If Potter is still in place when the pod comes out, I'll be surprised <laughs> and disappointed. So we're very sorry that you're surprised and disappointed, right, John. John. Um, at Black Emoji, the time has come to set aside childish things. We need results. The process needs to earn our trust just as much as we must trust it. But results come first in this game, which Amen. I couldn't have said it better than myself. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's where Potter's at right now. Um, I think he's run out of uh, get out of jail free cards, for lack of a better phrase or word. But um, yeah, and at Sophie Bikes, shout out to Sophie. Uh, big shout out to Sophie. You've tweeted at us the last like four or five podcasts. So so good on you. We're, we're glad that you've jumped on board with us. She asked or stated, realistically, I don't know how to feel, but what's next? Where do we go from here? And how do we get back on our feet after we know all of this? You know, we did discuss that a little bit. I mean, Potter is staying. That's the thing. Now it's just a matter of, I think oh. we need to sit. I think we need to wait and see what happens in the next two or three matches. Here's, um, here's what I want to see because we're stuck with yeah. Potter. Go I don't want to see resting players because they're going to mm-hmm. be playing once a week. At this point, I, I, the, the confidence I had of us beating Dortmund is gone. So now, Sophie, what I want to see is a starting eleven our best starting 11, which, like it or not, may include Kai Havertz for us. Sucks. But the best starting 11 every single Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever. And then maybe one sub, maybe two subs max. But the foundation, the, the spine of the team has to be the exact same as, as he much needs to as trim we the squad. Have. We need to exactly. trim the squad. Yeah. Period. Because at this point, it's just Premier League. 
And and there's the no participation seen, trophies. No, no, no. And and, and Pulisic is being sold. Uh, Kovacic might be gone. Mount is being very tricky with the with the with the contract, and he's not even playing well enough to be in the starting eleven. Like the list goes on and on and on. Koulibaly, we forced him into this side. Like you said, Body of Shield looked like shit. You played for Dave Fulana, they out fucking fantastic. Yes, once out. Dave is hurt now, so we don't even have to use him. So it's either Reese James or Chalaba. It's better be Chilwell or Kukri. Like it, it's got to be the guys, and that's it. That's what I want to see because yeah. it's not Potter anymore. Put in the best 11 that's playing right now. Form is part of it, and go from there. Let them figure it out. And that's my whole argument about about what a top manager would do if he came into this side and was in Potter's situation. He wouldn't have looked at the full 33-man squad and been like, okay, I'm going to play this guy until this guy comes back, and then I'm going to bring this guy back. And no, you play this guy while this guy's out, and if this guy's performing while the other guy's out, you keep him there. Even if the other guy gets healthy and comes back, you don't throw him straight into the starting lineup like you did with Kovacic and throw him straight to the Wolves in the middle of a toxic environment. How do you think he's going to play? Of course he's going to stink the place up. Guy's been out the last four fucking months or two months or whatever the fuck yeah. it was. And now you're going to ask him to come back, play a full 90 minutes, toxic environment, can't even score a fucking goal, haven't done it in the last four or five games. It's just, ah, it's nonsense. Oh, it is fucking nonsense. And I don't think I've ever been this dumbfounded as a Chelsea fan, um, period. And I, I want to end the Potter talk there because I'm fucking over it. And, um, and Andres, me and you laid out exactly what he needs to do to change our minds. And if that doesn't happen, and if we pick up a win here and there and kind of limp across the finish line this, at the end of the season, my opinion is going to stay the same. It's not going to change. Um, I do want to get into, because I don't want this podcast to be all negative, I do want to get into some of the positives of the match. Um, so before I do that, I'll run through the starting 11 really quick. Uh, just... For those of you that uh, need a quick refresher, we have Keppa in goal. Dave starting at right back. Um, Reese James and Thiago Silva were obviously rested for this one. So Dave at right back. Koulibaly and Badia Shiel as our center backs. Chilwell on the left. Double pivot, Kovacic and Enzo. Uh, the three in front of them, Madueke on the right. Jabal Felix at the 10. Mason Mount on the left. And um, David Datropofana starting up top. So um, I'm not going to sit here and talk about the negatives and what went wrong and x and y and z because the, the fact of the matter is the effort wasn't there the game plan wasn't there the tactics weren't there and i said it already but it was very much a matter of individual performances as opposed to the sum of the parts but some of those individual performances were promising and some of them showed us that they can actually provide um Marueke, i want to start with him first i've been really impressed with him just since he came in, I, I, I like his, I like his physicality. I think the, his build um, and his body looks like he's, he's ready for the premier league. He has a great first touch, the ability to beat players one-on-one. -on -one. And again, it's, it's something that we don't have enough of, which is attacking threats that are left footed. Um, and, and Madueke very much so is an attacking threat. So in the first half, he was one of the only players to show us anything created two chances on the match um considering that he had little to no support a la Azpilicueta uh, because he was playing right behind him so um your thoughts on Madueke's performance um on the same page as me and anything that's yeah. continuing to rise yeah I think again I think this is one of the guys that was in the right headspace in this game I thought hell he got it he was being a very physical guy he was always trying to go forward beating the players 
Madueke to me is it's unfortunate that we don't get to see him in the Champions League. That's yeah. kind of where I'm at because I feel like while Mudrik has kind of gotten in his own head a little bit, I think Madueke has only gotten better with each performance. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, I he was a bright spot for me. I thought that until he was subbed out, he was he was driven. He had um, sort of like a north star of what he had to do, um, and met, made the most out of what he could have. Right? There's no overlapping yeah. runs of the quality of, of Reese James or perhaps you know the the midfield again i mentioned behind him was kind of a mess so yeah i thought maduike looked good in this one it's it's what i expected when we saw like the youtube videos now it's like okay like it's here i say it about everyone let's see the goals and the assists but i don't know when that's going to come at this point and it's i don't think it's yeah i don't think it's anything he's doing wrong he's trying no and 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 the other thing i noticed with him and also with the next person i'm going to mention david Fofana. I think every time they got the ball in the first half, especially the, the there seemed to be a different. There was an energy shift within the fans and the crowd, and you could hear it even through the TV. Whenever either of them got the ball, there was you could almost feel the ears perk up on everyone that was watching them because they they were the only threats. They were the only guys that were willing to try to make shit happen, um, even though nobody else around them seemed willing to do that. And and David Dotrofafano for me, I know Andres, you said earlier. Had a little bit of criticism in there, but I thought he did well. And I was actually pissed off when he came off. I thought, granted, he didn't play like your prototypical number nine would or should play, but he was giving Chelsea fans something that we haven't seen in years. It feels like years at least, which is the movement and willingness to try and make shit happen at the number nine position. You know, uh, he created two chances. He won seven out of his 11 ground duels. He was incredibly energetic, dribbling people. Um, and, and he looked like he, it basically looked like he said to himself, over my dead body, we're losing this game. I'm going to try and win it for us. And granted, it didn't come off for him. And there are tons of things to work on because out of all these new signings, he seems to be the most raw. Mm-hmm. But there's something there, Right. And I think he has the build. I think he has the touch. I think he has the physicality. He's incredibly pacey. Um, and his dribbling has impressed me more than anything. Um, but I think we have a player here that could potentially turn into something special. Um, not saying that he's necessarily Chelsea quality right now, but if guys like Kai Havertz isn't going to do it, and if an, and if an Aubameyang is just not in the picture in in potter or the club's eyes whatever the situation is going on behind the scene i want to see fofana keep playing in the premier league because we have nothing to lose let this kid develop let him get used to the league and then maybe he can market himself into getting a decent loan next year um as opposed to getting loaned to a potential relegation side maybe we can get him in a more competitive side where he'll be playing progressive football or positive football what do you think um, I think because I don't trust Potter right now, I would say like, yeah, man, he'll get the instructions and he'll try to do the right thing. I, I felt there was a lot of energy. And like you said, his dribbling looked nice. I still, it, it almost felt like the beginning of Broja where we're like, Broja is just running and, and not looking up at all. Mm-hmm. So if we can see that sort of development where it's like positive every time, then yeah. But I'm afraid that he could fall into the trap that everyone else has fallen into. And then we are, not only is he raw, but then we're stealing his confidence and that could end poorly for us. He's, he's yeah, strong. 
He was he was put pushing bodies. You know, it's things that you want to see from a nine because he is one. Um, the part that pissed me off was him playing left wing at the end of a half, which again makes the the coaching decisions in this match were just all over the place. I I don't get I don't get it. Maybe it's because tactically he wasn't what he, doing what he's supposed to as a nine, but let him grow out of that. Let him stay central. Let him be closer to the box. Limit how much of the buildup play he has to do if he's not passing. I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's his first performance at our absolute worst. So I'm trying not to be harsh on the kid. Yeah, but you yeah. also have to keep in mind that we only had 37 percent possession in that first half and created little to no chances. And he's a number nine, and number nines yeah. live and die on chances um, that are created for them. So. I want to keep seeing him play, honestly. I, I think there was enough there. Um, and, and, and he showed something different that Kai Havertz and Aubameyang won't show us. And Aubameyang won't for different reasons because he's just not getting selected. But Kai, because he's not a nine. Um, but the next person I want to talk about who I think was arguably the most positive out of all these performers was Wesley Fofana. He was out for four months with a knee injury, came back on as a sub in the second half, for Koulibaly, who had a shocker and also had a yellow card. So there was probably a little thought in there that he could potentially pick up another one. So he was subbed. Fafana came on, easily our best defender on the day, made five recoveries in the second half, and honestly looked like the most progressive passer out of the back in that second half as well, especially towards the end of the game. Um, Now that we have what seems to be four solid center backs here on our roster. And I'm speaking about Tiago Silva, Badi Ashio, Fofana, and Trevor Chalaba. I, I, I really think it's, it spells the end of days for Koulibaly at Chelsea. And I know he just got here, but if the owners are willing to swallow their pride, the right move definitely is to kind of move he's him getting on the end of the year. Yeah. He's getting yeah. sold. He's getting loaned. He's getting out of here, period. Yeah, because I hope so. Levi Colwell is also playing well at Brighton mm-hmm. and he's been seen at the box and, you you don't loan that guy again because then he's just going to ask to be sold. Mm-hmm. It's it's Body Shield versus Colwell on the left and Tiago versus Fofana on the right, and then you have Chalaba as your fucking Swiss Iron Knife, whatever it's called, Swiss Army Knife. Yeah, whatever you need him at. If it's a back three, he can slot in. If it's a back two and one guy's injured, he can slot in. Mm-hmm. If Lord forgive both Reese James and Malo Gusto get hurt next season, he can maybe play right back. Like. That's how I see Chalaba next season, unless for some unfortunate reason we cash in on him, which is also a possibility. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has a lot of value. He's definitely an asset um, to a lot of teams that are going to look at him as a you know a young yeah. player that can develop and be a stalwart in, the, in their back four. And to be fair to him, I, I think he could slot into you know any side outside of the top six in the Premier League and earn a starting place. Um, you know, I, I could see him starting at a West Ham. I could see him starting at an Everton. I could see him starting at a Bournemouth. Yeah, and, and this isn't us saying mm-hmm. like, "Oh, sell him." It's just like it business wise. Business wise, yeah. it can happen. He's got value. He's English. Mm-hmm. A B C D E of many reasons why he's an attractive uh, option for other clubs. Yeah. yeah. Um, the last person I want to talk about is Raheem Sterling. He came on in the second half for Dobbs, which frustrated the hell out of me because if you're trying to score goals, why would you take off a nine? Um, when especially, and, and here, and here's the argument, the argument is not to bring Sterling on. The argument is fucking frustrating, but anyway, as a nine, as a nine, as a, yeah, as a, as a center forward guys, he played the nine for 15 minutes. 
Someone who's fifteen b- minutes. Someone who's been allergic to goal scoring this whole season. Has oh, he's not nine. a nine. Like yeah. not once has he ever been considered a nine. We've played him at the mm-hmm. left wing. We've played him at the right wing. We've played him as a ten. We've played him as an eight. We've played him as a six. But not once in his life, I think he's lined up as a nine at Chelsea, at Vitesse, at fucking Derby. This was Never. awful choice. Awful. Yeah. This was where I was like. What am I freaking watching? But in terms of Raheem Sterling, I was very happy to see him. I'm not Raheem Sterling's like biggest fan. Like, ah, yeah, Raheem's the answer. Like, that's not me. Like, I I very much would have would love to continue to see Mudrik and Madueke. But you got to protect Mudrik a little bit more now. And Sterling is Sterling. He's got the Premier League experience. He looked calm. He knew how to do things that our other attackers weren't doing in that chaos. And mm-hmm. he was close to scoring three times. I think I counted, or you have four shots here listed, but I think three times, even though I knew we lost, like I said, ahead of time, it was like, oof, those are good chances. Yeah. Uh, the header. And, and there was two others that I can't remember, but the thing is, I don't know if he's necessarily the, the, the solution to our goal scoring issue, but I think he could definitely help supplement the attack and more importantly, Shit, yeah. supplement a guy like Kai Havertz because Sterling's movement off the ball is, is incredible. So if, if they're able to kind of unlock Sterling's movement and, and create that synthesis with, with Joao Felix or chemistry mm-hmm. with Joao Felix, I think they can, they can, you know, help us out between now and the end of the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, those were pretty much the only positive talking points about the game. Um, you know, everything else was pretty crap, uh, for lack of a better word. Um, but I do want to move on. I mean, we, we have some news here regarding Aubameyang and Mount. Earlier this week, uh, prior to the Southampton match, Graham Potter did speak about Aubameyang, who seems to be a hot topic on Chelsea Twitter lately. Um, he spoke at length about how Aubameyang was training well and was being very professional, regardless of the fact that Chelsea tried to loan him during the tra- January transfer window. His professionalism was showing through, and he was doing well in training and whatnot. Um, but th- this is where the hypocrisy kicks in. He's left out of our Champions League squad, and he's left out of our Premier League matchday squad. Um, are we just being lied to, or... What's going on here? Because in my opinion, Andres, if there really is an issue with the Bamiyang, it needs to be made public. I think there needs to be some sort of statement or clarity as to why he's not getting playing time because I don't like hearing that a player's training well. And our, let me rephrase that. I don't like to hear that our best finisher and goal scorer is training well and playing well but not getting picked for any of the squads. doesn't make sense. Those two things can't happen. If he's yeah. training well and his attitude's great and he's one of the most experienced players and has a, a quality in goal scoring that we desperately need, there's no excuse why he shouldn't be playing unless something else is going on, which I think is the case. Uh, I think... Mm, I don't know if there's anything else going on. This might be Chelsea saying, like, hey, don't... like we." We tried getting rid of him in, in January. Mm-hmm. We tried. And he was all for it until he saw that there's nothing there. And then he had to say that he'll fight for his place. Because he has to show that he's being professional because he's not going to be here next season and he knows it. So to me, I think it's going to literally be like 
in case of emergency break the glass for him to come back in. And and I get your point of view, like, okay, don't tell me he's being great. Like I, I agree with that. Maybe that shouldn't be the the wording. Yeah. It should be just like, hey, Obama Yang understands the situation we're in and, and what we're trying to develop currently. And he's being an utmost professional about it. Period. That's it. Don't yeah. tell me that he's balling out in practice. Because right now, our goal of the month, I think, is like the only goal we scored this month, which was the Felix goal in a draw, to give you an idea of why this is frustrating. One goal in mm-hmm. all of February. So to me, it's not, I don't think Obama is being toxic for once. I, I really do think it's like, hey, we can't like keep investing in you because we know you're not going to be here. And at the same time, like, I hope you understand, like, we're not, you're not going to win anything. We're almost out of UCL. Like, your best bet is to stay healthy, stay fresh, start looking for what's next, because we're going to let you go. There is no profitability here. Mm -hmm. Like, talk to your agent. You guys start doing the business in the back end. We need you at practice because we need the bodies. And, and, you know, if Kai and, and Fofana get shot in the leg, then you can play. Now, here's another reason why. I don't think Tuchel's fit to manage an elite football club because you mean he Potter or Potter, excuse me, <laughs> Tuchel. Tuchel definitely is. Um, Potter definitely isn't because, again, it's it's not a matter of protecting Aubameyang in a situation. It's more a matter of being an ambassador and a spokesperson for the club. And he just failed to do that. I mean, this was the perfect opportunity to say exactly what you said. He understands the situation at hand. He's being a professional. That's that. You close the door on the subject. You don't go out and say that he's playing well and training well and X and Y and Z. Well, if he is, he should be getting into the team. The guy scored, what was it, 12 goals in 21 matches last season in La Liga. He resurrected his career. He's proven that he can do it at this age. So it's not a matter of like, oh, he's just really old and he can't do it. No, he's done it. It's nonsense, in my opinion, but um, I'm sure most fans would agree. Um, Mason Mount has a very interesting situation now, too, where... And this actually came out from David Ornstein today. I'm actually going to read his tweet directly. Quote, Mason Mount contract talks halted while Chelsea focused on the Champions League and league. Not expected to resume until summer when the club intends to agree a new deal for the 24-year-old or they will sell. Chelsea was presented several offers last summer plus an autumn bid, but they were both rejected or they were all rejected by the midfielder rather. Now, um, right before we recorded this podcast, there was another tweet um, that just came out as well saying that the issue was his contract length. Chelsea wanted to offer him a seven-year deal. He obviously doesn't want to sign the rest of his career away. I mean, he's 24. He's essentially signing his career away until he's 31, 32 at that point, which is understandable in a certain respect. But at the same time, there is a slight double standard because this is somebody that I've put forward could potentially be a future Chelsea captain. But if he doesn't want to be here for seven years, he shouldn't be a captain at all. Um, Andres, I'm at a crossroads here. I think the reality that Mason Mount might not be at Chelsea Football Club long term is is starting to set in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think more importantly, the reality that he just might not be good enough is also setting in. Now, come summer... If a new deal isn't agreed upon, the last thing the club want to do is let a contract run under 12 months and sell them at a discount or possibly let them walk for free. 
I know all reports were indicating that they were pissed off about Rudiger and Christensen's situation that two internationals walked for free. Mm-hmm. They don't want the same thing to happen to Mount. I'm actually on the board side with this whole situation. Not me too. I, me yeah. too. I, I think here's the thing. Right now, this is probably the best case scenario because come summer, we don't know if Potter's still here. Mm-hmm. We don't. So next manager may come in and be like, yo, 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 Mason, Mason, Mason. Hey, my guy, I'm going to play a 4-3-3, and you are one of my eights. I want you. You're going to be my guy. You had a bad year, but then last year everybody had a bad year. Ch- chill out. Chill out for a second. Let's get this contract signed, or I'm going to be forced to sell you. Because I get it. Mason Mount doesn't feel respected right now for what one reason or another. Um but at the same time, he's also not playing well enough to, to back up his requests. So I think it's best to walk away right now. I also think um, you let the season play out. If Mason starts playing well again, then you give him the money he requested. I also think it, it, you're right. There is a double standard here because he's supposed to be the boy who dreamed and the Chelsea guy. And Reese James didn't hesitate to keep himself here for seven years. And on top of that, like, look, if we sign you on an extension and then you want to leave in two years, in three years, you can leave. People are just going to have to pay the money for it. If you want to leave, it's because you're balling out and you want something else, people will pay. So at this point, like I just talked about, there's no real loyalties. Like if he's not going to budge, I don't think, there's much else you can do. I I get he wants to get paid, and he would, much like Reese James did. He got a pay pay raise, and then he got the incentives. Like I get that that's new to you, and and, and you're not used to that. But like, if you want to stay that bad, you would sign. And if you play well, like you used to, you'll get a a pay raise mm-hmm. without an extra extension because you're here for six, seven years, whatever. Mm-hmm. So. I don't want him to walk for free. And I don't think we should spend a whole extra season trying to plead him to sign because at that point, the moment he doesn't get sold in the summer, we're not getting shit. We won't. Yeah. Cause in January he'll have to be sold for how much did we sell Jorginho for 12 million? 11 million. I mean, I mean, we'll probably get like 20 for Matt with six months left. Sure. Sure. But still that's nothing. 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 You, yeah, you we get, could, we, we could probably get, get close to 60. 60 or 70 now. Yeah. You get at least 60 for him with a year left. So to me, it's just, if he wants to stay, sign him. But like, again, I don't want to be um, like financially shackled to get him because he's proven this season he's not that player. No, it's diff- it's, it's not like Reese James is coming and saying, give me X, X Y, and Z. Reese James contract. is not making the most at this club anyway. Yeah, yeah. He signed no, no. seven years and he's not making the I'm, most. I'm just using him as an example because I yeah. think he's our best player. But, but and, and at the end of the day, like Mason Mount considers himself an eight the eights don't make the most money per week either enzo's making 120 i think which isn't putting him in the in the top earners like at the end of the day the strikers make the most money yeah. i don't care if your tiago silva doesn't make that money prime tiago silva was never making the money that that were rumored to be hearing mason wants mm-hmm. and and the long longevity of the contract means absolutely nothing if you want to leave and you are a problem you'll get sold or if you want to leave and you have high value, you will get sold. 
I mean, you're really telling me if 26, 27-year-old Mason Mount goes to the Chelsea board and says, sell me, I don't want to play for you anymore, the board is going to be like, no, you have to live out the rest of your contract and take the 300000 a week that we gave no, you and suck it up. Hell no, they're going to flip them. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, now, I, I know this question doesn't hold much weight, and I know it's kind of silly to ask this because, I mean, we, we can't predict what's going to happen at the end of the season, yeah. but what's your gut telling you right now? Does he stay or go in the summer? I, at this point, because it, I saw it with Christensen and Rudiger, I think he goes. Yeah, like, I, think I agree. He's gonna, I, at, that, at this point, I don't feel that he's going to stay, whether it's because fans are abusing him or because he's not getting his money. Whatever you want the rhetoric to be, I don't see why he stays based yeah. on what's happening right now. I'm going to be brutally honest. And, and again, I'm, I'm one of his biggest fans and I've been quoted on this same podcast saying that I think he could be future Chelsea captain a year or two years ago. Um, based on his current form, I don't think he deserves a new contract flat out. Um, so if I'm Chelsea, I think it's a good thing that the contract talks halted. I think you give him this period of time to prove himself. And if he doesn't, you sell him at the, in the beginning of the summer. You don't even give him the option to renew. I mean, you just say, listen, I, if I can get 50 or 60 million for you, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Because 20 million of that 50 or 60 million will cover part of Enzo's payment. The other 20 will cover part of Mudrick's payment. And then both of those are off the books for that year. I mean, it's just simple accounting in that way. But I do want to move on. Um, we are approaching the end of the show. Um, let's get into the Spurs preview a little bit. This is absolutely the worst time to play Tottenham Hotspur. Or is it um, the best time to play Tottenham Hotspur? <laughs> fuck you and your positivity, Andres. Honestly, just let me be depressed. <laughs> no, but um, in all seriousness, based on our form, not the greatest time. Based on their form, not the greatest time either. They seem to have a fire lit under them now. Um, and now they're back in the top four after beating West Ham uh, over the weekend. And uh, guess what? Sun scored in that game too, which hasn't happened in a long time. So if he's yeah. finally awakened this season, we're fucked. Um, but one thing that is going for us, uh, Antonio Conte has been recovering from a gallbladder removal surgery. I know he's been in Italy. He hasn't been on the sideline for the Spurs squad in a little while. Um, no news yet on whether or not he'll be on the touchline versus Chelsea. I, I guess there's the possibility still remains, but that's something to keep an eye on. Um, but if any, if, if there's any indication based on their performance last weekend, they're not too impacted by it. Um, and we still have another week to prepare for this match uh, or prepare for our next match after this match. Um, after we play Spurs, we play Leeds. We mentioned it a little earlier. There's a week break in between there. So resting players, squad rotation, it's all bullshit. There's no excuses. You have to play our two strongest squads um, regardless of external forces, if you will. So with that being said, Andres... How do you feel about going to Spurs away? I'm nervous. I just want to expect a change in in the feeling of the match going into the match. I, I want to see intensity. I want to see a, a hot start. But I'm nervous. I mean, I there's no other way to it. I don't I don't have it in me anymore to predict a win. I don't know. 
I think it's it's an absolute must, but I've been saying that for her, I don't know how many podcasts in a row now. If these guys have any ounce of, of pride, this should be the best game of the season. Tiago Silva should be back. Reese James should be back. So if Potter doesn't get these guys fired up, I hope those guys do. And if those guys don't, I hope the fact that Aspie is probably somewhere recovering from a freaking wild ass injury for throwing his body along the way to protect our goal does something to these guys. But yeah, I, I don't think tactically it's going to be some sort of managerial masterclass. I think it's going to have to come down to to the guys wearing the kits. So as long as the, the strongest 11's on the pitch and, and they wake up because they need to wake up, maybe something can come of it. But I, I don't, I don't expect positivity from me. I expect something boring. One zero loss, nil nil. Until proven otherwise, that's that's what my brain tells me. I'm never ever ever gonna predict a loss on this podcast, so I'm gonna predict a draw. And I think the listeners know what I really feel. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Um, I don't feel good about this game. I don't whatsoever. I mean, I think. For one, the Spurs fans are going to be taking the mick out of us because we're obviously in the gutter right now, and uh, they're in one of the Champions League places. So, and rightly so. I mean, if if we were in that position, we'd be. I mean, we've been doing that to them for the last thirty plus years. So, you know, it's only right that our roles are flip flop now, and they're going to be doing it to us. That's one. Two, I never like losing to Spurs. But three, um, this might be a short sighted way of looking at things, but based on recent performances, it doesn't look like there's any sort of incentive for Chelsea to play well in this game. Um, And for Spurs, it's the complete opposite. I mean, now they're back in the top four. If they pick up a victory against us um, at home, it's going to help them grow in confidence. It's going to tick another game off the, uh, it's going to tick another box where, um, you know, they can obviously pick up three more points with Conte out, which is a positive for them. And then lastly, it solidifies their top four their top four position, which they're going to want to do. They're not looking to just get into the top four now. They want to stay there and finish the season there, which is a total possibility for them based on the matches remaining and, and their current form. So, God, I fucking hate Spurs, but I just don't feel good about this. I do not feel good about the match whatsoever. So make of that what you will. I'm predicting a draw. Um, is there anything else you want to kind of add to this, Andres? I know it's been kind of a depressing podcast, but we're um, not we're not hashtag Potter out. We're never going to hashtag <laughs> that. We're never going to promote that. I mean, I by, think we could, I was just going to say, like, yeah. by the time this weekend comes along, I am not dead. I'm just giving up social media for Lint. So for people that try to see me on Twitter or see our, our podcast twi- Twitter go down a little bit in, in its usual activity. I am just de- unplugging until Easter, just detoxing the screen time. Uh, I will still be in our Discord, so Ultras, don't worry. I will still give you some love and attention, and you guys can uh, keep me updated on what's going on on the, on the internet. While we can send you tweets. But it you just cannot Discord, Discord. Don't don't go out of your way of texting me the tweets. Just Discord. I will screenshot the tweet and send it to you, <laughs> and I will let God decide what happens but yeah, from there. I'll, I'm taking a break <laughs> from socials, but 
I do still think, and I'm going to push this one on Ron. I think newbie XYZ deserves a shout for ultra status. He didn't post that whatever, whoever's running that account is because it's like a company account. I think he deserves a shout. I think our so boy, I think our boy in the world capital department, um, needs capital. To a shout. And then Sophie's almost there. She's new. She's almost there. But Sophie, you're almost invited to the Discord. Damn. Sophie, I'm on board, but Andres isn't. So Sorry. I'm just saying longevity. Sophie, I appreciate the dedication. <laughs> I love the interaction so far. But these guys have been doing it a little bit longer now, and their presence has been enough to get ultra status. Sophie, you are definitely one of the, the quickest to get there, though. You're almost there. We love She's your on the short list. She's on the short list. She's training with the reserves right now. Completely next in line. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, I mean, that kind of wraps this one up. Um, listen, Chelsea fans, if I can speak for all of us, the only way is up. Because I don't think it could get any worse than it is now. So Agreed. that'll be the positive note that I leave it on. Uh, but if you're not following us on Twitter, make sure you are at Blues on Parade. Um, we do send out a tweet after every match. Um, it won't be Andres for the next 40 days, so it'll be me or Sam. But uh, we send out a tweet asking for questions, concerns, comments about the game. Make sure that you respond to it um, for a chance to be featured on the podcast, just like all of our lovely listeners that we shout out every week do. Um, so make, your, make sure you're doing that. Make sure you're also looking out for our podcast that we drop um, after every match. Normally, they're recorded on Sundays. Sometimes they're on Mondays like this one is. Um, so make sure you're looking out for those episodes as well. Let us know what you think. And until next week, let's keep the blue flag flying high.